The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It ain't the left side. For the right side, and it must be the fin side. Inside. It ain't the left side. For the right, right side, and it must be the fin Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of the On the Fin Side podcast with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. You know, I don't have to tell all, all of you, but news is pretty slow right now. We're in mid-June. This is really the time of year when nothing is happening. So Paul and I were talking, and we thought this would be a good time to take a trip down memory lane. Just being a Dolphins fan over the last, you know, I've been a Dolphins fan for 30 years now, and a serious one for the last 25. 1997 was the first year I started watching every single game, Paul, Uh how about you as far as, you know, when did you start becoming a Dolphins fan? And that's going to bleed into our segment here of our top 10 favorite Dolphins of all time who never made a Pro Bowl. Well, you, I think I'm going to have some on there that you definitely will not. Uh, we'll go. We'll, we'll definitely go with that one here. I'm 43 years old. I remember being three or four years old and my dad and I going up to, to Foxborough Stadium where my dad split season tickets for us to be able to catch the Dolphins game every year. And the coolest thing was back in the day like that, um, you could go out behind the stadium and the players would come out after the game and they were much more amenable when, when they beat the Pats, which luckily happened a heck of a lot back in the eighties and early nineties. And they'd come out and hang out. So, I mean, I remember standing around shooting the breeze with Mark Clayton at, at, eight years old, um, you know, Lifford Hobley coming out with his huge dangling earring and his big fur coat, um, you know, all those guys back then, man, it, it was, it was awesome. Like the, the access to the players for just the casual fan was so cool. And so I think my list is probably going to have a few years dozen on it. Got it. Yeah. So I'm 38. So you're five years older than me and my, uh, story is a little bit more redneck than yours because uh, you're from the South. I, I played uh, the Dolphins on Game Boy when I was nine and I couldn't adjust the settings, so I could only play the Dolphins. And then, and then like the perfect settings for me. And then uh, from that point, the, there was no team in St. Louis from 1990 or, or excuse me, 1987 to 1995. You know, the St. Louis Cardinals left, went to Arizona, and the, 
St. Louis did not get the Rams until 1995. So because of that, there was this window where there was no football team in St. Louis. And there's now still not a football team in St. Louis after the Rams left. So because of that, I adopted the Dolphins as my, as my team. I've never looked back. And uh, given that they haven't won a playoff game in 20-plus years, uh, it's, I'd, I'd say I've been in a little bit of misery here. So we're hoping for a playoff win right here this year, and this is going to take us down memory lane here. So, Paul, let's get right to it. And so, and I'm going to tell our listeners that Paul and I did not deep dive into our list beforehand, but I have a good idea of who Paul has on his list as far as these guys. You have a good and idea of my, some of them. Yeah, some of them, but not all of them. Um, and if for, for anybody that Paul specifically had on, on has on his list that I did that. I, I made sure I took them off of mine other than the guys that I may not know too much about. So anyway, Paul, who was number, I'm not going to say 10, on your, but who was, who was, uh, yeah, let's, let's go with number 10 on your list. Well, if you ask me right, as soon as we got in the air, it, it was like two guys ago, because this, this was a hard one to narrow down to 10. Um, and I wound up going with, defensive back Jarvis Williams. He was a ton of fun to watch back in the early 90s, late 80s, playing playing alongside Louis Oliver in that secondary, uh, you know, playing behind guys like John Offerdahl. And he wasn't the biggest name in the NFL, but that safety tandem with, with him and Louis Oliver back there was, was a force to be reckoned with. And God, he was fun to watch. So, I know about him a little bit, but that was a little bit before my time. So 1990, you were alive, damn it. You were alive. I was alive, but uh, 1996, Jimmy Johnson's first, no, 95, Shula's last year, slash 96, Jimmy Johnson's um, first year as coach is really when I started getting into the like, knowing who the players are following them. And then 98 was the first year I started religiously following the team. Um, so I, I remember Gene Atkins and Louis Oliver back there at the safety spots. Javaris Williams, I remember a little bit about him, but not too much. Um, so interesting. Jarvis Williams. Jarvis Williams. Okay. So my number 10 guy is going to be someone who, in my opinion, is not only the uh, was a was a really good playmaker in his time here, in a short, very short period of time. I would also argue the best playmaker in the history of Miami Dolphins football, given the sample size, only the sample size, because he played eight games. He started eight games for the Miami Dolphins. Dimitri Patterson. Okay. Dimitri Patterson in eight games had four interceptions and a force fumble. Okay. And he absolutely in that first game against the Cleveland Browns in 2013, if you remember that game, mm-hmm. the Dolphins went to Cleveland and won that game. He had three interceptions in that game. And he also had another interception as well 
And the year before that, he started two games in 2012 and shut down his side of the field. But after, after he had a couple of games there in 2013, uh, he had a career-ending injury and never, never played again, or he struggled to come back again. So Dimitri Patterson holds a special place in my heart because when he was on the field, he was phenomenal. And I'm obviously half-joking about him being the best player in NFL history. So who's your number nine? Let's snake draft this thing. Yeah, so let's let's uh, go number nine here, and it's uh, someone we've talked about. And when I start going through this list, it starts to become players that I have defended more over the years than other people. Did you go Chris Clemens here? Oh, it, I went Chris Clemens. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because we've talked him. about him. And look, Chris Clemens, in your terms, has hands like boxing gloves. Okay. Yes. He only had, he started 44 games for the Dolphins, only had four interceptions. But the question I kept asking to Dolphins fans is how many balls were going over Chris Clemens' head for a touchdown? No, because he answer punched is, those things way back to the other end zone. I mean, the answer was pretty much none. So that's what I'm looking for out of, out of a free safety. And that's what Chris, Chris Clemens brought. Um, and then, you know, he spent five years with the Dolphins. I thought he was a really serviceable, good player at free safety. Not the best playmaker, obviously. Not the biggest turnover machine, but free safety. What I'm looking for is somebody who can usually um, be that last line of defense. Now, the good thing right now for the Dolphins is Javon Holland is not only the last line of defense, but he's also a playmaker. So obviously Holland is a much, much better version of Chris Clemens, but I always had a lot more respect for Chris Clemens. And I know you did too. Yeah. Now it took a little bit for me with, with Clemens and I did like him a lot. It's for me, I, I know he was one and, and this was a weird list to research uh, as far as that goes. So I know there's guys that we missed and it's actually funny because the chat spoiled my number nine here. Uh, you went playmakers. One of the things that we talk a lot about on this show is, is positional versatility. I don't think the Dolphins have ever had a more positionally versatile player that was more beloved by fans than Jim Crash Jensen. Uh, played tight end, fullback, linebacker, special. You, I mean, you needed something in a moment. And Crash was out on the field doing it. it. It's this guy was was one of the premier players for the Dolphins in the '80s. Even if he was never in the Pro Bowl, um, like you, you just be looking for him out on the field. And actually, his jersey and Lorenzo Hampton's jerseys—I'm not sure which was the first one I owned between the two of them because I remember having both of them very early on as a kid. Um, Crash Jensen, dude, he was like. I don't know if you've watched a lot of tape back on him. You should. Oh, I, yeah. I know. I know who Crash Jensen is. Oh, I know you know who he is, but I don't know if you've actually sat and watched tape on him. Like, you'd have a good time with it. Tape. There's yeah, some of that, it out that, there. That has to be. I mean, that had to predate like Polaroids. It's live in Technicolor, damn it. Like, let's go. Okay. Sounds good. Who's number eight for you? Number eight for me. Came up a little short, but. Damn it, there was heart, and 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 that's Mark Higgs. Had back-to-back 900-yard seasons, 
and looked probably the most hilarious ever standing next to Ferl Edmonds. Um, I thought I had his height written down here, but I don't. I think it was I think he was five six if I remember correctly. And he I think that was 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 Shula and company uh lying a little bit on the resume. It's he really, really I remember watching him play against the Patriots up here and watching him light it up. I think he had like 130 yards in one of the games up here. Um, really fun running back to watch, especially given his size. But he had legs like tree trunks back before Maurice Jones Drew made that the thing. Um, but yeah, man, Higgs was Higgs was a good one to watch. Back in the 80s, I believe, right? Uh, early 90s. But late okay. 80s into early 90s. Okay. Yeah, a little bit before couple my time. years there, man. Like I, I know who he is, but uh yeah. Mark Higgs. Okay. Kind of kind of the it who do you think was actually better? Mark Higgs or Bernie Parmalee? You know, Parmalee almost made my list. Um, I think Parmalee was probably a little more versatile, but <sighs> I think Higgs could have could have been better if I believe it was Sammy Smith came in and got drafted, and that's when we saw Higgs really fall off. Okay, okay. All right, so number eight on my list, staying with the defensive backs, Will Allen, who mm-hmm. was uh, signed in 2006. Four-year contract, uh, $12 million. He's somebody that was a really good cover cornerback. I'm not going to say shut down, but he and Andre Goodman made a terrific tandem. And I thought their ability uh, allowed the Dolphins to win the, uh, the AFC East championship in 2008. I mean, that performance against the Jets in that final game when they won the division, I mean, fantastic work. I mean, the Dolphins have been for... For as mediocre as the Dolphins have been over the last 20 years, cornerback has been a spot that they've always nailed, which is kind of weird. Um, not not the biggest playmaker. 53 starts. And also, too, you know, I'm just judging Will Allen on the field because he's currently in jail because of a Ponzi scheme. Mm. So, uh, you know, <laughs> can't, really, uh, can't really speak to that. Go he tried out. to rip off NFL players, or allegedly, uh, in a $35 million Ponzi scheme. But I'm just judging these players on the field. Will Allen does not need to have a press conference in front of me to tell me that he was a good cover cornerback who started 53 games for this organization. Didn't give get as much credit as, as he deserved because um, he – didn't have a lot of interceptions Uh, and number seven on my list is somebody who, in my opinion, got no credit for a very bad scheme that he played in with these bonehead defensive coordinators, Matt Burke. And I'm not sure if Kevin Coyle was there at the time or what, but these Bengals defensive uh, coordinators, Jelani Jenkins. Yeah. Um, I always admired his ability and his instincts to cover running backs and tight ends out out of the backfield. And as far as I'm concerned, the fact that the Dolphins in in the timeframe when Jelani Jenkins was there between 2013 and 2017, um, 
he was able to cover and neutralize James White every single time. And that's a hard task. So he's somebody I thought did not get a lot of credit. And I thought he would have been a much, much better player if he, if he did not have these bonehead defensive coordinators. So for me, at number seven, I went with an undrafted free agent of the Dolphins. Um, somebody that I remember watching that draft that year and about, and you know, this, our listeners know this, every time we hit the fifth round, there seems to be somebody out there that I am utterly infatuated with getting on the team, um, that a lot of folks have ranked a little lower than I do. And sometimes Miami's actually gone out and, and, and stolen those guys as undrafted free agents. And this guy was absolutely a steal as far as the undrafted free agents go. If it wasn't for a few mental health issues, he would have had a very productive career and probably would have made a couple of Pro Bowls. But You're not talking about Cecil the Diesel Collins, are you? No, not Cecil. Diesel. Okay, okay. Just want to uh, make sure. Devon, Be- Devon Bess. Oh, yeah. Um, it's uh, He didn't have a season in Miami where he had less than 50 catches. He never surpassed the 1,000-yard mark but he did a lot of very good things at that wide receiver position. I believe he topped out at 900 yards one season. Um, and again, it, it's, he had 14 touchdowns in his career receiving uh, 12 of them came in Miami, but he was always out there getting that critical third down and, and really fun to watch. And I just, I wish he had been able to keep it together as far as that went, because I think he probably could have had at least a 10 year career with the dolphins. Yeah, and my understanding is his mental health issues happened after he left Miami. I mean, there was an ugly incident with him at an airport, I think. I'm not quite sure, but uh, anyway, what, what I remember about Bess is that the Dolphins traded Wes Welker for a second and a seventh-round pick to the Patriots, and then Devon Bess just flat-out fell into their lap in 2008 as an undrafted free agent. And, yeah, he's... His, the connection between he and Chad Pennington was so instrumental in the Dolphins winning the AFC East that year in 2008. So who's the next guy on your list? Next guy on my list was one of the most fun guys I have ever watched play the game for the Dolphins. This is getting up into that meat monster territory. He probably had the best hair, and he probably had the best sack dance we've, we, we've seen for these dolphins and i think he's he played yeah he, he did play for them after we started this show and i remember us talking about being heartbroken when he went up to jacksonville and that's jared peewee Audric. um he didn't put up the highest sack totals I, he he floated in that four to six sack a year range but he was very good at setting the edge against the run and Every time he got up and did that Pee Wee Herman dance, I I, I went nuts because I thought it was hilarious. And you know he's one of the one of the dolphins that I got to meet up in Buffalo, and um, yeah, no, he he's absolutely an awesome dude off the field too. So yeah, no, it, it's Audric was was an easy one to put on this list, but it was hard to pick where to put him. Yeah, he had an interesting career because if you look back at the 2010 draft, the Dolphins were picking 12th that year and they traded down to 28 and they got Jared Odrick at 28. If they had stayed at 12, uh, they would have had the choice between a lot of guys like Jason Pierre, Paul, Earl Thomas, 
which could have made a bigger impact. But Audric in his own right was a solid, really good football player. And he signed with the Jaguars for I mean, one of the biggest defensive tackle contracts in NFL history at that time. I think it was like five years, $50 million. He was okay there, but you know, it, it, everyone's career in Jacksonville really kind of bombs out. So <laughs> for decent careers go to die. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, so, we've never seen Jacksonville overpay for, for free agents that are ascending that, that it just doesn't work out. Have we? Oh, wait, this off season. Damn it. <laughs> so Devon best Jared Oderick, really productive NFL players and guys who had never made a play pro bowl with the dolphins and the rest of my list, I'm going to warn everybody is going to be kind of some fringe types of guys who were kind of, kind of a little bit weird almost. Well, they're um, going to like my list anyway. So. Yeah. So Paul is going to go really quality heavy and good for him for that. But number six on my list is going to be David Bowens. It's a good choice. Oh, one to oh six. He played with, he, he got cut five times in two years before he joined the Dolphins. And he joined the Dolphins and was instrumental in replacing Trace Armstrong, Adewalia Gunlie. And he had 22 sacks over five years. So, I mean, a really solid player, a, a good rotational guy. And if you remember that 2004 win on Monday Night Football um, against the Patriots, where A.J. Feely threw that touchdown to Darius Thompson, David Bowens had a monster game in that one. So somebody who stuck around for a while and really did a good job and ended up having a 12-year NFL career. Uh, after that, we start to get into the offensive linemen. And I'm going to say with these interior offensive linemen, the shame with, with the, the Dolphins interior offensive line, guys, anybody who has been good over the last 20 years, other than Robert Hunt, has had a career-ending injury. For example, Mark Dixon, Jamie Nails, Jake Grove, all of these guys. I mean, and another guy that got injured too and never played a game and we never saw again was somebody named Justin Smiley, who was signed in 2008 by the Dolphins to a modest contract. And he was so big in um, what the Dolphins did in the Wildcat that year. And he played a couple of years for the Dolphins. And if he had kept playing, he, he probably also would have been a five, seven, or 10-year type of player for them. But at that left guard spot next to Jake Long, that was a terrific left side of the offensive line. No, it absolutely was. Um, but while you're on, the, you're camping on the offensive line, I'm swinging back over to the D-line with my fifth pick because it actually it piggybacks well with Audric, but it's, uh, you know, the way we broke it out, it, unfortunately – I didn't get to talk about him because they, the two of them played together on the, on that defensive line. And this was a very underappreciated player that, you know, how much I love this guy. I, uh, I was down in Miami with you and I remember going down to the field 
And after the game, after they won coming off the field, and I'd been looking for this guy's jersey all weekend down there, and I just couldn't find it. And I didn't want to pay the extra 50 bucks to have it customized. So I'm walking out, and I see this woman wearing his jersey. And I yelled over to her, and I'm like, hey, sorry to bother you. I'm like, where did you find that? I've been looking everywhere down here because if I can't find it here, I don't know where I'm going to find it. And she looked at me, and she said, I married him. And I looked her dead in her face and I said, oh, I really like him a lot, but I'm not willing to go that far to get his jersey. (laughs) And Mrs. Paul Soli looked back at me, cocked her head for a second and then started laughing. And, you know, it's it's I've actually run into him a few times when we were down there. Awesome, dude. Um, Really cool, dude. Really nice guy. And and he was one of those guys that took a little while to develop. you know, I know we've talked to David Canner, his agent, when he was still here about him. I was ridiculously sad to see him go. He was way too nimble and agile for a, for a guy his size. And once that light came on for him, he was a force in the middle of that Dolphins defensive line that got overlooked by a lot of teams. And he didn't have the same impact once he left Miami, but he was a guy I really wanted to have there. That's exactly right. He was drafted in the fourth round in 2007, and I really liked that pick. And he was almost cut as a rookie. And then the next year, he got into the rotation, did okay. And then 2009, 2010, 2011, he became a force there at the nose tackle spot. Um, Yeah, he's somebody that I look back fondly on as well. Um, So... My number four, I'm going back to the wide receiver position though. And I've seen his name come up over and over again in chat since we started this show. So I, I feel really good about having him on this list. And that is Mr. Oronde Gadsden spent his entire career with the dolphins. Uh, wasn't the longest career, but <sighs> 22 touchdowns over five or six years. They all came in his first four years in the league he was the guy that had those big, big, just, you know, God, like garbage pail sized hands. So, you know, we see people say pulled an OBJ. Uh, we've seen it ourselves with Brent Grimes making interceptions with the one hand. But Aronde Gadsden was Mr. Third Down when he was with Miami. It's if you needed a third down, you could throw it anywhere in his vicinity and he'd get that huge meat hand up and just pull that ball in when it was way off target. And I remember him just snatching balls over the middle and sacrificing his body to pull that ball in with the one hand. And and he just, he was a special player to watch, even though he didn't get the recognition around the league for what he did. We've, we've heard ex players talk about him still to this day. I remember 1998 firmly because uh, OJ McDuffie that year led, led the NFL in catches with 90 and the Dolphins draft passed on Randy Moss that year for John Avery. And uh, they took Larry Shannon in the third round. They had Util Green as a first round pick from the previous year. Larry Shannon, Util Green, both tore their ACL. So they had to pull Aronde Gaston out of the Arena League. And he was a really good playmaker and he made some iconic catches for the dolphins over the next, over the next couple of years. 
he's somebody, yeah, that's that's a great jersey to get. You know what? Maybe uh no, you can't sneak him on now. <laughs> don't don't you get that jersey and kill the man. He, no. <laughs> he'll <laughs> fall. He's still productive down in South Florida as, as a youth coach. And, and I think he's working with one of the high schools now. And you would just curse that high school to a losing record for the next decade. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll go 0 and 8. Scandal. Like, oh. For a long time. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go next at, at wide receiver with Brian Hartline. And this is a draft pick that I hated in 2009. Because I, I just didn't see anything special in him. And now, after he was selected in the fourth round, he got better and better and better. And then put together in 2012 and 2013, back-to-back 1,000-yard uh, seasons. And, you know, he, even though he kind of fell off the map after that, he's uh, also a wide receiver coach now at Ohio State. And he is an up-and-coming offensive guy. It wouldn't surprise me if you see him in five years or less being an NFL head coach because he is moving up the ranks, intelligent. It just understands offensive football. No, and, there, and, there, and, there were talks about whether or not McDaniel was going to try to go out and get him um, to come down here. And, and yeah, no, I think that's a solid and great selection there. Um, and yeah. So after that, uh, going down to number three, a guy that a lot of Dolphins fans haven't liked over the years, but I have, and that is Matt Moore. Okay. Matt Moore, I thought, did a fantastic job when he was called upon for the Dolphins. And in 2017, after Ryan Tannehill, you know, he tore his ACL in 2016 against Arizona when the Dolphins were heading to the playoffs. And then in 2017, went to training camp and in August tore his ACL again. Um, I was hoping they were going to stick with Matt Morph that year. Instead, they went out and spent $12 million, million or whatever on Jay Cutler. But for his career, Matt Moore with the Dolphins, 359 completions on 591 attempts, 4,300 yards, 28 touchdowns, 19 interceptions, 86 quarterback rating, and a, uh, a record of, of uh, 500 as a as starting quarterback for the Dolphins. So for a backup for that long, that's impressive. And I, I was always hoping that he was going to stay as a backup. <clears throat> no, well, I mean, he was a backup for a long time, but. Uh, I was hoping that he was going to stay as the starting quarterback instead of going out and getting Jay Cutler, which was pointless in 2017. It didn't matter because he's going to be the 25th best quarterback in the NFL anyway, and the Dolphins are going to scratch and claw their way to six or seven wins. Didn't matter. Wish they would have stayed with Matt Moore. I am always a Matt Moore defender, and after he left the Dolphins, he went to the Chiefs and did a great job, too. When, when it, and I'm glad you brought that up because Matt Moore actually gave us the soundbite of the week on the Tyreek Hill podcast, which was Tyreek, when he was talking about playing with Tua, came out and said, he's like, now, I love Matt Moore. He goes, I, I caught 150 yards in a game 
with Matt Moore slinging the ball. Tua is ten worth ten Matt Moores, and I love Matt Moore, but Tua is worth ten Matt Moores. Yes, <laughs> I love that too. Thanks for bringing that up there. <laughs> oh, I couldn't resist. Um, and you know, hey, if if you needed a quarterback to just throw the ball away into the third row and not care as he walked to the sidelines, Jay Cutler was your guy. So, yeah, you know, it, it's we we led the league in hitting the third row or higher with with a pass that year. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's not a great record, but it it, it is a record. Yeah, for a backup quarterback, it's impressive work. So over, Matt Moore over that was what, three or two for you. Uh, I think you've got. Eh, I'm losing track. You've got three left. Yep, I've got three left. I just wasn't sure if that was your number two because. Yeah, you, you've got three and two coming up here. So back to back for you. Yep. So number three, guy we've had on the show, um, probably had the greatest individual season and and this is a hill that i will die on had the greatest individual season blocking for for any offensive guard in dolphins history uh probably would have made the pro bowl and you know in ricky williams words because i i brought him up to, to ricky actually was Jamie Nails was the heart and soul of everything that they did in their run game in 2003. And Ricky actually came out and said, if Jamie Nails had stayed healthy, he would have, Ricky would have run for a lot more yards that year and would have run for at least 2,500 yards the following year. That is a crazy thing to hear about a, a guard. And he's a great dude. Like it, it was a really fun interview having him here on the show. And, and I, I've actually chatted with him periodically since um, and easily, easily number three for me. So, uh, so let me ask you how many 2,500 yards. Um, so uh, was uh, Ricky holding something in his left hand and putting it up to his, uh, up, uh, up to his mouth at that time? Uh, he might've been eating some brownies. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, he he did know. something. It might've been snack time. But I, I get it. And if you want to see any highlights from uh, 2002, yeah, you're going to see Jamie Nails cleaning people's clocks. And that's, again, the Dolphins are so snake-bitten, and they have been at the, the interior offensive line spot. Jamie Nails, Donald Thomas, Jake Grove, Mark Dixon. Anytime anybody did well for the Dolphins at Garter Center, it was like final destination all over again. Well. And, and, and the one thing I want to say is if you want to watch the most hellacious play in a positive way from a left guard in Dolphins history, you will go back and you will watch the game against the Detroit Lions that year. And that play looked like the ending to the water boy. Only Jamie Nail's 340-pound self was out outrunning Ricky Williams leading the play on a sweep to the left-hand side down the sideline. And he cleaned out everybody in front of him without slowing down, including at the very end of it, he took out Chris Chambers and a defensive back together and destroyed them. (laughs) Like it was like (laughs) linebackers, corners, bodies just flying like a snowplow going, you know, and, and, and this is a huge man 
running and keeping pace out ahead of Ricky Williams without slowing Ricky down. It's insane to watch. Like that was, that's one of my favorite plays in Dolphins history to watch. Uh, Just like it's, you see Ricky Williams highlight videos there, you know, he'll disappear behind 66 for a moment at some point in those videos. Yeah. Uh, He was a pure mauler there. There's no doubt about that. Number Number two two for you. Number two, I've actually mentioned him already. Uh, I mentioned him in, pair, in pairing with number 10, uh, and that's Louis Oliver. One of the greatest games from an, a safety in Dolphins history was the Ride Them Buffaloes game where Buffalo had gone through through a big stretch against Miami of victory, something we're familiar with now. And in route to a, a pretty decent route of, of the Bills was Louis Oliver's three-interception game. I believe it was in 93. And... What first one was a tip ball by John Offerdahl that that Oliver managed to pull in and get some decent yards on. The second one, he had a huge play or a huge series of play on the drive um, that the Bills went from the twenty down to the five, and then Louis had actually missed a couple of plays because I think it was Steve Tasker knocked him out of the game for a moment, which Tasker was known to do, and then Oliver came back in and jumped the route and took it 103 yards for a touchdown. Looked like he was going to die. And then a couple of series later, here comes Louis Oliver making another interception, the touchdown or in the end zone comes running out. And this was like the death knell for the bills should have actually had a better chance at a touchdown, but he was so damn tired and you could physically see it. He almost fell down on his own before he got tackled from behind by, I forget who it was for the Bills. Um, but just iconic in that secondary and in turning the Dolphins' fortunes around against the Bills. It, that secondary was amazing, and it started with the safety tandem of Jarvis Williams at number 10 and Louis Oliver at number 2. And Louis Oliver probably would have been better in today's NFL because he was six foot two, 225 pounds. And he was the... Dolphins last first round pick of the eighties in 1989. Um, And he played for the Dolphins for four years and went to the Bengals for a year with a David Shula, Don Shula's son, obviously, and then came back to the Dolphins for two years. Jimmy Johnson cut him in the first year for the uh, late Calvin Jackson. I remember that. Um, so, yeah, Louis Oliver, that is a name from the past. Gene Atkins was the other one I was talking about, too, because yep. that was the Dolphins safety tandem for a couple of years. So I'm going to go to my second and first. Uh, you know what? Actually, I, I messed up here. Uh, I've got, uh, I've got, got three left. I've got three left here. So uh, number, th- uh, number three is Todd Wade, who's also been a guest on the show before, too. I knew you were and, and Todd Wade uh, was when he was drafted um, in the second round in the uh, 2000 draft. The Dolphins didn't have a first round pick because Jimmy Johnson traded their uh, uh, got a 1998 second round pick and got Patrick Sertain in that draft. And they traded that for the the first round pick of 2000. So they didn't have a um, 
pick until the end of the second round, and they drafted Todd Wade. And Todd Wade, Wade came in and was a phenomenal right tackle immediately. That was the year that Lamar Smith uh, came in and did a great job, and the Dolphins won 11 games that year. And he's he's somebody that was not the best pass protector, but he was a road-grading right tackle. Yeah. Uh Number two on my list is Larry Izzo. I like that one. And Larry Izzo, I'm not going to hold it against him that he went to the Patriots and the Jets after he was with the Dolphins. And now he's currently the Seahawks special teams coach. So good for him. He's taken that. And uh, if, if you want to hear great stories with Larry Izzo, Watch the Fish Tank uh, uh, podcast with O.J. McDuffie and him talking about and reminiscing about old stories. But um, there's a great story back in 1996 when Larry Izzo was an undrafted free agent. And Jimmy Johnson came into the room and said, there are two people who have made this, this roster, Dan Marino and Larry Izzo, who was an undrafted free agent. And he, he said, he told him, he said, like after grilling him for weeks, Jimmy Johnson said, when you talk to your parents tonight, tell them that you made, that you were a Miami Dolphin and you made the team. This is a guy who was an undrafted free agent out in the mountains of, I think he went to Montana or Idaho Idaho state. I'm not sure. Montana, man. We've had some luck with Montana. Yes, we have. He's somewhere up in that territory. Can't remember exactly where he went. Um, Did Izzo make the Pro Bowl, though? Special teamer? Oh, he might have. He might have. Yeah, he probably did. So that's going to be invalid. Uh, I had to hit the buzzer. I'm sorry, Cat. (laughs) No, that's good. (laughs) So so I'll give my 11th player, and that's Tony McDaniel, the defensive tackle, who I really like for a couple of years, did the dirty work at defensive tackle at six, seven, 300 pounds. So that's going to be my replacement um, for him. But Paul, who's your number one guy? I must have blacked out that this guy didn't make any Pro Bowls. It's, it's confusing to me, and this is a guy on the field, off the field, um, you know, it, it's somebody that's been good to both of us um, off the field as well. Somebody that's actually been good to, to my kids. Um, and I, he was one of the best players I remember growing up watching. And I remember sitting there the year that he was drafted at my grandparents' house. Uh, I want to say I was 13 years old. And we had the NFL draft on. And I remember turning the speakers out to the porch that was behind the TV so I could listen. And I remember talking my dad's ear off. I remember talking uh, my uncle's ear off, both Dolphin fans, about how much Miami needed this guy. And, and, And they basically went, what? You want a wide receiver slash punt returner in round one? We don't need any of that. And he, if, if he hadn't had the issues with his toe, um, I can only imagine what he he and Marino would have developed into. And that's that's juice. 
the original juice, OJ McDuffie. God, I mean, what he has been to this Dolphins fan base, the fact that, you know, we're talking about his podcast and what he meant to this team and the stories he tells and the things that he's done for this organization since um, what I think he ran back two punts for a touchdown as, as a rookie. And he was such a critical member of this Dolphins offense year in and year out. I can't believe he didn't make any Pro Bowls. I got to say that I just assumed when in 1998, when he led the NFL in catches, that he made the Pro the Pro Bowl that year. But I was wrong. He didn't. And I'm a and jerk because I, I could have told you. And I'm like, nah, you know what? I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, I, I, I may have said this on the show before, but um, OJ McDuffie was at a wedding in Illinois, which was like half an hour from where I live. And my uh, friend was talking him up and saying, you know, we, I, we had him on our show before and uh, talking about the, you know, just, just our relationship with the dolphins and OJ McDuffie FaceTimed me at like nine 30 PM, but because I go to bed at 9 PM every night, uh, I didn't get that call. And, uh, but I got, <laughs> sent me pictures of himself with my friends and everything like that. Just an amazing guy. And yeah, he would have been number one on my list if I thought he hadn't made the Pro Bowl before. No, and and, and I actually want to tell a quick story myself. Like at, at the MetLife takeover this past year, I remember I brought Axe down there for his first real MetLife takeover, which by the way, tickets are on sale now. Make sure you go to dolphinsnyc.com and check that out because that's such a good time. But he came and hung out, uh, him and Travis and, and a few others, and Seth uh, came to hang out at the bar the night before. And, you know, I I checked in with OJ to see if he was coming, and he said that they were. And, you know, I, I told him, I'm like, dude, my kid is so excited to meet you. And OJ came in, and as soon as he saw me over with Axe, he pulled Axe over, signed Axel's jersey, like took all these pictures with him, and God, it was such a great time. And like between talking to him, hanging out with him a little bit, uh, getting to hop on a freaking Zoom call with Richmond Webb, Axe had like literally like the time of his life. So now the kid's expectations when he goes to a ball game are just through the roof. And, you know, it's funny because my my wife's aunt makes a family calendar every year. And, and I actually shot OJ a message privately because the pictures from the MetLife takeover, you know, the pictures of Axe with OJ made the family calendar. And uh, my wife got me this Marino plaque from, from one of his games and, and who caught, you know, the, the milestone pass in that game. And Axe went nuts when he saw it. But OJ McDuffie, like it's, there's so many Dolphins stories that begin and end with, with OJ. And it's a really cool thing. And, and he's, probably one of the greatest individuals on the planet as far as human beings go. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, it's been great to meet him. And what I'll always remember is my first year religiously following the NFL, OJ McDuffie led the NFL in catches. And I'm shocked he never made the Pro Bowl. And my number one guy. How's he measure up the OJ? Never made the Pro Bowl either which might kind of be a glitch in the system <laughs> is uh, Chad Pennington. 
that was surprising. It really was. Because he was the comeback player of the year in, in 2002. He led, I mean, w- without Chad Pennington for the Dolphins in 2008, there's no way we're talking about the Dolphins winning the AFC East anytime in the last two decades because he, the Dolphins set so many records in that year with Tony Sperano and Chad Pennington, and a lot of them revolved around being so precise in what they did because Chad Pennington had the fewest turnovers uh, or, or the Dolphins had the fewest turnovers in a season. And Chad Pennington was instrumental in that. And that was the, obviously the wildcat year. A lot of weird things happened that year, but they ended up going from what? What? One and three, one and two, to 11 and five. They just ran off these games where they would win 20 to 13, 17 to 16, so many games like that, and ended up winning the AFC East. So, Chad Pennington is my number one guy. And it's a shame that he got hurt the following year and the Dolphins could not continue that. No, it was. And, and Pennington kind of brought some respectability back to that quarterback room which was a hard place to be after all the nonsense with uh, Wanstead kicking Marino out the door. Um, and God, it's, it's somebody, somebody in chat put that OJ McDuffie was always quiet and he, he might've come across that way in the media, but every story out there is about the fire that McDuffie had both on and off the field. And I think it was the fish tank had, one of their top stories uh, when they had the, the X story interviews and things like that, X player interviews and all of it was OJ McDuffie trying to fight Daryl Gardner. Um, That's another good name. Like, and there are a lot of good names that just missed the list. I just want to like, and that's why I wanted to do this too. Daryl Gardner. Daryl Gardner is somebody who is a bust early on. And um, but he came back from it. Oh, oh he came back. He came he back, back because him and, him and him and him and him and Tim Bowens, in my opinion, made Zach Thomas's career. I'm not saying Zach Thomas would not have been great, but he, their ability to keep Zach Thomas clean was so instrumental in the type of player he became because. I mean, you're talking about somebody in Tim Bowens who could eat up double teams and Gardner who could do the same. And that was important back in the 90s with, with the type of style that, that, that was played. No, I mean, it's – it's, but, I mean, you look down this list of players that Miami's had that, that I just I, – you know, I didn't even have the same list as you sitting there that I was, I was deciding between. Uh, but Randy McMichael, Charles Clay, um, Tony Nathan – yeah, Dion Dyer, Joe Rose never made a Pro Bowl, and and what an awesome human being he is, and and, and he was a great player. He, what was it? He caught Marino's first touchdown pass. Somebody uh, said, somebody said in chat here too. Chris Chambers never made a Pro Bowl. Yeah, he did. He made one. Okay. Um, uh, but Lifford Jeremiah Hall, Bell is another good name. Too. Jeremiah Bell, JB Brown, 
Uh, oh, oh, I hated J.B. Brown. I love J.B. Brown. Pete Stoyanovich. Oh. I don't believe he made one. Yes, Pete Stoyanovich. You see, because I got the back end of J.B. Brown and Pete Stoyanovich. Like in like 94, 95, all I remember Stoyanovich for was missing that kick against the Chargers. And you needed the, the mid game of those guys. Um, and, and, and another one, too, was Chuck Klingbile. I don't know if I don't know if you got to see him play at all. Never he heard was, of him. He was just that blue collar. Get it done. Defensive undersized defensive tackle in the middle of that D line um, that just just got it done playing and play out and. He wasn't the biggest name. He wasn't the biggest guy, but but he was a blue collar defensive tackle that was undersized, short, and oh man, was he fun to watch! I thought Randy McMichael was going to be a star, like a real star. He could have been, man. He he had the ability, and he just never got better after those first like two years. I mean, he was because I mean, he had the moxie. He like he. Yeah, he had a lot going for him, and he 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 was fine. I mean, he he had a ten year NFL career. He went to the Chargers, and he was you know the second second tight end there. Really good player, really good career. Just never quite became the guy I thought. You remember, like in preseason of his rookie year. Not sure if you remember this, but when when he caught that pass in the preseason game against the Saints, and he just catapulted over the top of the defense for a touchdown. Um, you know, good player. Good player. So, um, so some guys that were close on my list too, Mark Dixon. Yep. I'm not sure if anyone remembers this guy. Oh, God. But remembers. He, he's been mentioned in chat. Mark Dixon? Yeah, because in 1999, when Kevin, they had Kevin Donnelly at guard, and then they traded for Kevin Gogan, who is just a mauler meathead type guy. Um, Mark Dixon beat out both of those guys, and Jimmy Johnson started him. And he started, what, 50-plus games for the Dolphins at the guard spot. And then, of course, just like Smiley, just like Donald Thomas, just like Jake Grove, had a career-ending ending injury. I mean... <sighs> We got a Madden curse along that offensive front. Yes, we do. And I say that Robert Hunt is the best right guard the Dolphins have had over the last 25 years. Part of this by default. Okay. Well, but, one of the problems is he was he was our best right tackle over the past several years. Yeah, as that's well. true. That's true. Well, this was fun, Paul. It was, man. We need to do things like this a little more. It's and and you know. I love seeing who some of the listeners liked in, in, in the chat here. Um, people, people are getting angry with you for not knowing who Chuck Klingbile is, Kat. You, you, that's, you got homework off this one, man. Uh, when did he retire? Uh, I want to say it was early 90s, so you, you okay. did just miss him. I was nine, so get over it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, know who he, I know who he is. I've heard the name. I just can't speak to him. He was um, he was fun to watch on that defensive line, and I know you like defensive line. Fun, yeah, I do. I'm just not not going to go back to look at him. Damn it! So, uh, guys, make sure you tag Cat in pictures of Chuck Klingbile. For all of our listeners, deal with it. All right. <laughs> so that's going to do it for. <laughs> 
So, Paul, what, what do we have uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks? Uh, we're we're going to have to uh, come up with content here over the next uh, couple of weeks. And I think we should stick with this mantra here of going down Dolphins history. Yeah, I think that'll be a fun time. I mean, go through some Dolphins history. If if some news pops up, we'll, we'll, we'll chat it up on that and, you know, play it by ear. But it's it's we're going to have at least one episode a week, depending on what the situation is. So, yeah, man, I think we're going to have some fun over this offseason as we get ready for arguably the most exciting season we've walked into in over a decade uh, easily. So possibly two. Actually, God, yeah, it might be 20 years since I've had even an inkling of this this level of excitement about a team. I've got Patriots fans pulling up and, and, and chatting with me about how exciting the Dolphins look this year. And by the way, Folks out in there in chat, make sure you guys click that like button. Make sure you guys subscribe. Turn your notifications on. It's, you know, we're, we're going to be out here doing shows when there's a show to do. And we won't be out here when there's not. So, yeah, man. Like, I am I am stoked about this. And, and wow, we went an hour with this one. I didn't even realize. Yeah, yeah we did. We did. And uh, when it gets to next month, that's when the Dolphins mini or, or training camp kicks off and then we've got preseason after that and that's when things really get interesting and during the year um i'm actually going to be at the uh, bears game so if anybody in chicago is going to be uh, is going to be there tailgating um i've uh, gotten into the uh, crew with uh, with mark angelo norton uh what's his name NorCal Dolphin? Yes, sir. NorCal. I think so. Uh, yeah. All right. So, yeah. If any, if anybody's going to be in Chicago on November 6th, be sure to hit us up. And that's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins' top 10 players who never made a Pro Bowl. And I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. You can follow us on on. Um, where, Paul? We've, you, you can follow us out on Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Facebook, Spotify, Heart, Spotify. Radio, YouTube right here. YouTube. I am out of breath because I my allergies have been killing me all day. Anywhere you uh, get your local podcasts. Anywhere you get a local podcast. If it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.